Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, planet Earth's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all this evening's fun and games. And with me in the studio tonight is a man who arguably, arguably, might be the World Cricket Show's most popular ever co-host. It's Tony Kerr. Top in the polls, yeah. In the top I three, do. I'd say. Well, in the top three. Constantly, you know, and ever present in the uh, in the top three. You know, I've never been out of the top three in uh, in readers' polls. What a couple of weeks we've had, so hey, the Olympics are over. We did it, didn't we? We pulled it off. We did, we did it right. <laughs> we pulled off London 2012. Uh, Give yourself a pat we on the back. We were integral to that. We didn't want to tell you beforehand, but we actually had quite a major role behind the scenes. Not in the closing ceremony, I should add. No, that was a pile of guff. Wasn't it? <laughs> that was a pile of guff. Did yeah, you did you watch it? I've not heard okay. anyone use the word guff for about eleven years. Um, I did watch it. Yeah. yeah, it did seem to be to a large extent just kind of pop stars mucking about. I'm being rubbish as well. I mean, cr- it was criminal to allow George Michael anywhere near a stage and a microphone. Well, no. Uh, well, oh, it was George Michael to let him it... sing the first song. It was unforgivable <laughs> to let him sing a new song. I know that's, the second song it was that's rubbish. Absurd. It was George Michael. Awful. George it's Michael. <laughs> and it was terrible. Once a lifetime event for most people, the Olympics in Great Britain, and George Michael got to sing his new single. And someone said that the reason for that was because he said, well, I'll only do it if I can play my new single. At which point you just say, okay, don't bother. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, true. He's not that famous. I mean, he is obviously very famous. And he's very popular around the world, particularly in America. So you can understand why they booked him. But yeah, don't let him sing a new song. Because all the athletes were just kind of stood around, not quite sure what to do. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't exactly getting the party started. Play Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, George. It was quite a strange lineup in general. When the Pet Shop Boys came out, I burst out laughing <laughs> because I knew what your reaction would be. Because you detest the Pet Shop Boys. You detest quite a lot of things in this world, yeah. but the Pet Shop Boys have got to be up there. Hi there. At least they, they, they played West End Girls, which is their only good song. Uh, because all their other songs are absolute guff. <laughs> Just to use that word Stop again. Stop using the word guff. Sorry. Uh, That's not a great word. I mean, again, they looked, you know, don't ruin the whole thing, Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> but then even some of the, like, more recent acts that they booked, like they got Tayo Cruz, who had that one song. That's a couple of years ago, that song, that hit. I was a bit like, oh, who? Like, do, do you remember him? I'd, I'd have loved it if they'd gone like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Gray or, or something like that. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Daniel I mean, Beddingfield is here. <laughs> you know? I mean, for me, the music all sucked, I'm afraid. I mean, I like Emily Sunday, but why was she doing four or five <laughs> yeah. or six songs? Why was it her show? And why were they all incredibly depressing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why like, didn't Take That Do Greatest Day? Uh, you should have had a... a a word with Gary sure before he went out because <laughs> you do talk every night. So also, why uh, they had Kate Bush who'd re-recorded whatever the song it was running she, up that hill. Yeah, 
we recorded it, but they couldn't persuade her to come and play it live, so that was a bit pointless. Even though that was Woody I like that, they're like, people are like, oh, just, they couldn't get Kate Bush <laughs> for like a TV event watched by about four billion people. <laughs> She's too famous, I'm No chance. Why, like, they couldn't get, like, Bowie. So yeah, but he's, he's, he doesn't perform really, live anymore, does he? Well, they could have, they could have persuaded him. Yeah. He's happy to perform live for Ricky Gervais. So <laughs> they could have got him in. They got Yoko Ono herself remastered, imagine. Oh, really? She's not, I don't think she's a mastering that engineer. That was a strange choice of song, because there's a lyric in that song that's like, imagine there's no country. Yeah. yeah, like, what? It's like, <laughs> well, there, there, there no wouldn't Olympics. be an Olympics then, would there? <laughs> so, yeah, and then, like, I was watching it with some friends. Uh, you weren't invited, but um, <laughs> when, that bit where they, they put together John Lennon's face, and everyone was like oh that's brilliant that's so <laughs> clever it's like yeah it's clever it's quite like an amazing thing to do but why would be my question <laughs> why is john lennon's face there it's not like oh because john lennon and the olympics go hand in hand i would i would have really liked to have been in some of those meetings where those decisions were taken where they're like how are we going to close the olympics <laughs> i'll tell you what Let's get Fatboy Slimmer on a giant inflatable octopus and get him to play some tunes. And they're like, yeah, brilliant, because that'll really capture the spirit of the preceding two weeks. Yeah, that's really appropriate to the, you know, the, like, the immense sporting achievement of the athletes who are going to be present, you know. It's funny, this, because we're, we're like absolutely slating the closing ceremony, but the two weeks before that were like the best two weeks of my life. Yeah, much. we're just, cool, yeah, just tucking into the ceremony. Absolutely love the Olympics, and this Olympics in particular was just fantastic. And... Now it's all over. Very flat. Quite depressing. I'm really... I'm actually... I've got a massive Olympics hangover. I was struggling to remember what I did with my life before the Olympics. And then when it finished, I realised that I didn't used to do very much. (laughs) (laughs) But I keep going to check my phone to see if we've won any more gold medals. It's all over. I I can't deal with it. I can't accept it. But, Tone, there are only... 1,451 days to go until Rio. I'm planning to post that as my Facebook status every day between now and then. Just cash in. Only 1,450 days to go, three (laughs) exclamation marks, every day. Just really annoy everyone. Uh, But I mean, literally, what has it been? Seven years. Seven years ago, it was awarded. And it's seven years of planning and build-up and excitement and two weeks of unbelievable delivery of that. And now, yeah, just what we got to look forward to ever (laughs) again. It is very, like, it is a massive downer now that we're not going to have it again because it was so great. But, you know, at least it is still going to happen again, just (laughs) somewhere else. You know, it's still still very good when the Olympics is on elsewhere. It'll be great in Rio as well. I definitely think we should go. In fact, I'm planning to go as an athlete. I made fun of you on last week's show for, you know, saying after Beijing that you were going to try and compete in under 2012 in archery. And I was like, oh, that was never going to happen. But now I've realised that the only thing I want out of life is to compete in the Olympics. And I've left it very late. Some would say too late. Everyone would say too late, apart from me. (laughs) But um, I'm going to give it a go. I'm I'm trying to think of a sport that I can do, though. I thought maybe I could try and be a, 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 what are they called? A domestique in triathlon yeah you know one of those guys that uh someone else is is like like penciled in as the the medal winner but you're on their team and you've just got to like try and help them get there i mean the critical thing though in that is that you i mean you still have to be competent at a triathlon (laughs) you might yeah you might not be the best in the team yeah but you still have to be able to but i'm quite a good you're not a great cyclist no i'm a terrible terrible (laughs) cyclist but i'm quite a good swimmer so if i just go out really hard in the swimming which is all they need you know which is what they're supposed to do out really hard and then just fade i'm happy to fade i'm no, very you, happy to fade that's that's very much your tagline in life, I've, I've always been happy to fade but yeah i can just go off really hard maybe i can get there people think i'm joking about this when i talk to them but no I, i'm hmm. i've been i've been down at the 
the beach the last few nights just like swimming about 100 meters getting out really <laughs> out of breath yeah. I mean, there were more achievable things i mean archery i think still is realistic i'm doing archery again <laughs> in two weeks time it's the yearly archery like come try archery thing which i've been involved in uh, yeah i've used the word domestique there and people do start bandying those sorts of words around we yeah. talked about this like with the tour de france as well like everyone starts using the word peloton it's one of the funniest things about the Olympics to me is how instantly everyone becomes an expert. And this is including me. Like, I watch about six minutes of judo and I'm just like, no way was that an Ippon yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. It's the people who don't like sport normally who suddenly just, like, like come try and claim it for themselves. I mean, obviously a lot of people like sport. <laughs> yeah. so, but I, I, but I, there are a lot of people who don't like sport, particularly in the media, who are just like, I can't use a word that's not offensive, just kind of media numpties, who are suddenly just like, oh, it's the greatest thing, like Richard Bacon. Guff, numpties, you need to calm down a bit. So Get angry. If you were 11 years old, you'd be, uh, you'd be kind of uh, a bit edgy for using those words. But yeah, the Olympics, eh? Brilliant. Back to the real world. I know. Back to the misery of test cricket and Premier League football. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, mean, you know, I haven't really been into those at all ever. The daily grind <laughs> of, uh, of international like, cricket. That... Are you saying that you didn't watch any of the test matches? Because we're going to be talking about that in great depth today. I briefly, uh, I watched about three overs of it when uh, England came out to bat in the second innings. Right. When it looked like... That was weird noise. <laughs> when it looked like briefly the cricket was going to get more exciting than the Olympics, so I, I did flick over, but then when a couple of wickets went down... Just, so, just so, went back to dressage. Yeah, short answer is no. I've not watched Well, I watched quite point. a lot of it. I managed to watch quite a lot of it, so we're talking about that. But also stuff that's happened since that test match will be taking up quite a lot of our time today. The Kevin Peterson soap opera. We're going to be sinking our teeth into that. Uh, and yeah, we will also be looking back a bit more generally on last week's test match yeah and there's loads more to talk about as well i think we will also because it seems appropriate right now be discussing whether or not cricket should be an olympic sport that's a few big topics right there isn't it this is going to be a real marathon today settle in it's going to be a real marathon it's going to be like the olympic marathon hey the olympic marathon you can be um kipritich stephen kipritich i'll be wilson kipritich maybe not so much the marathon it's more like the omnium yeah you can be laura trot i like laura trot she's cool isn't she you remind me quite a lot of Laura. <laughs> England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. It has quite literally all been going on in the world of England this week. We will come on to all the Kevin Peterson stuff in a minute. But as we've said, the second test between England and South Africa did take place last week at Headingley. England won the toss and put South Africa into bat and they did pretty well, making 419 Alviro Peterson with 182. Um, England, in response, seemed to be struggling a little bit when they were 173 for four. But an astonishing innings from Kevin Peterson, 149, uh, got them up towards South Africa's total. And Matt Pryor with 68, got them past it, 425 all out. Uh, The game appeared to be meandering towards a draw when South Africa were 120 without loss in their second innings. But on the fifth day, Stuart Broad took five for 69 and Kevin Peterson... 3 for 52 with his part-time offspin. To reduce South Africa to 258 for 9, they declared at that point, Graham Smith uh, making a statement of intent, to set England 253 to win um, in about 40 overs, I think it was, which was a very um, intriguing run chase. And England did decide to go for it, opening the batting with Peterson and Cook. Uh, when Peterson fell, you thought it was going to be difficult. Strauss went for it a bit as well, but then he got out. Uh, England were reduced to 106 for 4, and they just shut up shop after that with Jonathan Trott, the main shopkeeper. 
Uh, so the game ended in a draw, which leaves England needing to win at Lords to hang on to the number one ranking. If South Africa can avoid defeat or even win, they will go to number one. So yeah, it was an astonishing innings from Peterson. He really took the South African bowling attack, um, who had been brilliant in the series up to that point. He really took them to the cleaners. Uh, but that was only the beginning of the story as far as Peterson was concerned. After the game, uh, he said that he, he, uh, he thought that maybe the test match at Lords coming up would be his last for England. He said there were issues that needed to be resolved, issues to do with uh, his contract and to do with one or two problems in the dressing room that he sort of vaguely hinted at. Then he was said to be very upset about a spoof Twitter account that had been set up. He thought maybe one of the England players was behind it, poking fun at KP. Uh, and it all seemed to be heading towards a situation where he was saying he was going to not play for England anymore. But then he released a YouTube video uh, saying that he was he was going to commit himself to playing for England in all three formats, reversing his limited overs retirement. But then when the squad was announced on Sunday, Peterson was not in it. And apparently this was because he'd been asked whether he sent <laughs> some text messages to some South African players during the Headingley Test match um, that were derogatory towards Strauss and Flower, and he was unable to give assurances that he did not send those text messages, <laughs> whatever that means. Essentially, that means <laughs> he, he did them. send them. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the texts have been dismissed as banter by uh, the South African setup. Uh, which kind of sounds like an excuse that you might use, so uh, <laughs> you might say, well, it's all banter. Uh, the ECB appear to be taking it not so banterously uh, because they've dropped him as a result. It's a very polarising issue, this. I, I, I put it out to our listeners on Facebook. Whose side are you on? K. Michael Munden says, Kevin Peterson doesn't deserve to wear an England shirt ever again. He's a disgrace. Goodbye, Peterson. Welcome, Johnny Bairstow. You'll easily fill those boots as a true Yorkshireman without the arrogance of Peterson. D.A. Patterson added, Peterson is so fickle, he could pass for a 14-year-old girl in a bad sitcom. He wants to take his dollies and dishes and go home, but then no, he wants to stay and play games and be head of the class. Bah. But Prasanna Pool felt differently. He said, no Peterson, no English cricket. He's been the saviour of ECB for many years. It's a bad move by English cricket and they will suffer for this but then uh, Joseph Costa uh, I thought brought uh, an element of level-headedness to proceedings by saying can't we just ask Tony to predict how it will all turn out and then we can all stop listening to this prattle great word prattle what's your unique take on the situation Tony <laughs> I think you build it up <laughs> thank god we've had the uh, I'm not going to mention it again but I am the Olympics uh, you know to divert us away from this and it's all kind of yeah, it's been rumbling on the kind of the last 10 days or so, isn't it? Now the Olympics is finished, it's been able to assume its rightful place at the top of the headlines on sports pages. The drudgery of uh, uh, Test Cricket's return. Yeah, exactly. The misery of <laughs> <laughs> the misery of the English Test Summer uh, that we all have to put up with now. I mean, it's beyond parody now, even though it was parodied, <laughs> parodied on Twitter, as everything is. I'm sure you've been parodied as a spoof cricket at Cricket Show account. Yeah, I'm sure there are several. <laughs> but that, that's actually an interesting point because this parody peterson account he's got to just have a sense of humor surely because there's a parody strauss account uh and i'm sure there's other parody accounts as well like rise above it was, it, it, was very, it was pretty amusing stuff i, I think his, well, i don't know if it was i don't think it was that funny. Well, it was like, you know i mean it was like it was it was kind of like that's actually my biggest problem with it though is that it isn't very funny <laughs> if you're going to do a parody account that's going to lead to Kevin Peterson being dropped from Eng the England Yeah, team. he was responsible for that parody account. Make it funny, at the very least. Uh, very silly on his part. Doesn't help himself by reacting so kind of ridiculously. Theatrically. Theatrically to the, to the parody account. 
Uh, then the texts have come out. Uh, that's pretty funny to hear about. That whole situation is probably the most amusing of the situations. Do you think so? Uh, it's kind of superseded the amusing situation of Peterson going around the dressing room trying to work out who was responsible for the parody account. <laughs> that made me laugh, the <laughs> thought of that. Because uh, I think he, he believed he believed that one or more England players were responsible for that Twitter account. I think the rumour is that he thought Stuart Broad was responsible. I think it definitely isn't, though. The, the guy, it's some guy who lives with some Nottinghamshire cricketers, uh, is, is the bloke who did it. Mm. Um, but I think Stuart Broad knows him, and so probably, you know, I think he knows a few of the England boys. But, I mean, I mean obviously the great shame... I mean, we, we said it when he retired, flopped out of uh, <clears throat> one-day cricket and 2020 cricket. We said, well, he'll be back soon. Uh, and he was, although not literally. He said he'll be back. Uh, and now he's not going to come back, is he? It's, 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 I mean, it's a great shame for the England team, for the English cricket public and England watchers. I've said it a million times, he's definitely the most you know, exciting batsman to watch in the team and probably our best batsman. Absolutely. It's an enormously regrettable situation and nobody wins in this situation apart from South Africa and every team that England play in future, assuming that Peterson doesn't come back. It's very, it, it is regrettable, but... I'm struggling not to side with the ECB at this point. I've always, historically, I've always been quite sympathetic towards Peterson, but some of the stuff he came out with after Headingley, you know, I think that one quote was, it's tough being me. It's tough being me playing for England. No, it isn't. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe some aspects of it aren't ideal. He obviously doesn't like the way that the media portray him and I can understand that because I think it's very unfair a lot of it obviously he doesn't like having to be away from his family and stuff but it isn't tough it's not tough being Kevin Peterson playing for England every single England supporter would trade lives with Peterson in an instant even if it meant having all this negative media coverage so I lost a little bit of patience with him this week after a certain point Kevin just get on with it it's hard not to think that a lot of you know a huge amount of it is to do with the IPL both because he wants to be able to play more IPL and also because, you know, maybe he feels that he's kind of gone beyond England now and that probably doesn't help with his uh, relationships in the dressing room. Obviously, I think he's a sensationally good player and England are much better with him than without him, but he isn't bigger than the England team. Look at how England have moved on from Andrew Flintoff. They would still be a better team with a fit and firing Flintoff now than they are without him. But they can get by without him. They got to number one in the world without him. They don't need to put up with this nonsense from Peterson. They don't need to. I think Peterson realised that this week, but it's come a bit too late. And I don't think that he really gave the selectors a choice. No matter how good he is, you can't have him in there if he's just going to be destroying team unity. And Strauss and Flower are too popular for him not to be doing that by sending those sorts of text messages. You don't have to like each other in a cricket team, but you do have to respect each other. Uh, and I don't think that's very respectful. Yeah, I fully support the ECB's decision not to select him for the final test. There'd be too much scrutiny and too much sort of hoo-ha about his performance and you know about his, his kind of you know everything would be scrutinised. So it would be it would be so distracting. But hopefully we can see him back. I don't know at some point. It's very odd that he would, having already said uh, a while ago that he didn't want to play one day cricket, or you know that not this didn't, didn't want to play, but circumstances meant that he was going to have to give up one day cricket. And then he says, "Yeah, I'm not going to play Test cricket anymore. This is probably going to be my last Test." And then like five days later, this YouTube video comes out where he's like, "Actually, I really want to do it all." You know what happened in the, that intervening period? He's, I, think, I he's, think he's that type of character. Yeah, 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 exactly. He flits about like that and can't settle anything in his head, and he obviously needs to be getting better advice than the advice he's getting at the moment. But 
he can't really do that. You can't have someone who's who's going to be that erratic. I don't think that this is a problem that can't be solved, but it is going to need a bit of time. He couldn't have played in this test match. I think the World 2020 would probably be quite ambitious at this point. I'd like to think he could go to India, but it's going to need a proper apology from him. We're probably going to need to know what the content of those text messages were. It's a classic thing to, that, you know, he's going to need to explain himself, which I love <laughs> when people are like, they've demanded an explanation. So what does that mean? Um, but he's going to need to apologise for it and he's going to need to apologise to the public and to his teammates. And that's going to involve him eating quite a bit of humble pie and I don't think that's his favourite dish. I don't, yeah, we don't know what the what those text messages said. I presume they're not like text messages he sent kind of in isolation. Like he's suddenly got hold of Del Stain's number or whoever and he's like, it's Kevin. Like, boom. <laughs> Presumably, you know, he's got an ongoing relationship with probably most of the players in the South African dressing room, be it from South Africa or you know, any time he might have met them in the past. <laughs> Uh, now walking his dog. Yeah, exactly. He bumps into them, knows they're a friend of a friend, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, for the situation to kind of go away, if you like, uh, you know, if he has bantered off his teammates, he's going to be expecting them. He's going to need them to to laugh off, uh, laugh off what he said in the way he couldn't about this Twitter account. No, absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's really point. yeah. So that's some way he's going to need to read himself in. So I mean, who knows how all of this will shake out? But it is such a shame. Because I think that innings at Headingley did sort of remind everybody what an unbelievable and unbelievably important player he is. I mean, there are very few other batsmen in the world who could have played like that in that situation. He really made Dale Stain and Morneau Morkel look decidedly ordinary. I think he took 64 off 72 balls from Dale Stain, which is the, the most anyone's ever done against Dale Stain. That's, that's his worst figures. So yeah, I mean, if, if Peterson never plays another match for England, he certainly left an impression in his final game. And it, it would just be such a shame. I mean, and it completely undermines England's ability to win the third Test match. Bearstow, James Taylor and Bapara have kind of all got starts in the series, but you wouldn't say any of them, any of the three have really grasped the opportunity. Well, Bearstow hasn't played in this series, but in fantasy, yeah, I mean, you haven't really watched summer, yeah. any of it. So. Yeah, I mean, Hicks, you know, <laughs> Hicks got a few starts in the series, but he hasn't really... Well, how many has Mark Butcher made? Um, <laughs> Uh, I never thought Mark Butcher was cut out for this series. He shouldn't have been born. <laughs> Looking at the test as a whole, I think England actually did pretty well to come back in this game and at least give themselves a chance of winning. Given how utterly outclassed they were um, at the Oval, they did all right here. They didn't win, but they did all right. Who who do you think was better placed at the end? Who won the draw, if you like? Who'd be more satisfied? Obviously, England wouldn't be satisfied because they wanted to win to give themselves a chance of winning the series. But looking at the game in isolation, who would be more satisfied? Who's got the momentum? Well, I yeah, I don't think there's much momentum there. I mean, in terms of the Peterson debacle, you'd say, well, South Africa, you know, are in a very nice position now to close out the series, aren't they? They're, it's looking pretty good for them. But I think, you know, England played themselves into a position where, you know, on another day they might have got, they might have pushed pushed that total a little bit closer on the on the, the last afternoon. You know, I'd have done it on cricket, Captain, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they needed another 10 overs, really, didn't they? 10, 15 overs to, to have a proper go at that. But they were really good on the final day. I mean, Stuart Broad suddenly looked unplayable again, having been rubbish. Yeah, I think, you know, they'll be disappointed not to have got the win. And South Africa were also very good and will be pleased with lots of aspects of that game, not least Alviro Peterson scoring a lot of runs because he was sort of seen as, well, you know, that's a, that's a walking wicket. Well, no, it's not. But I think England did do enough to suggest that the first test, if not quite an aberration, was 
not an entirely accurate reflection of you know where this team are at. I think one big mistake that they made, though, England, was in leaving out Graham Swan. I mean, Peterson took a lot of wickets on that final day, didn't he? Which maybe suggests that they should have played a frontline spinner. It was the first match that Swan has sat out of since I think someone said, February you know, 2009. In, in dropping Peterson for the, for the final test, England have dropped their spinner again. <laughs> that was like reading a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, agreed. I mean, Peterson ran through the uh, the top order, didn't he? The South African top order. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's it was kind of a, an unusual muddle, I think, with the uh, unusual muddle, unusual medal, I guess, with the uh, the team that you wouldn't necessarily expected the board to make. Yeah, and they they obviously looked at the pitch and thought, right, this is a seamer's wicket. We want to get Steve Finn in the team. Um, let's just bring him in for Swan. But I do think that was a big error because I don't think you should ever leave out a spinner. I don't think there's really any circumstance in which you should leave out. A spinner, because even on green tops, you still need that variety. What happens when a partnership develops, which inevitably will do? What do you do? Who do you turn to? I mean, there's some suggestions that Swan was sort of that Swan's been struggling this summer with injury and with loss of form, and that that was why they left him out, or at least that was part of the reason. I've not necessarily got a problem with leaving out Swan if that is the case, particularly because yeah, his elbow is apparently troubling him. But in that case, pick Panazar or somebody. Don't just leave out the spinner altogether. So yeah, I'm sure he will be back at Lords. I thought James Taylor enjoyed a, a reasonably impressive debut. He didn't make. Yeah, them... he fell into the trap of saying he looks like a Test batsman after getting you know whatever he got. He scored 34. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right, 32. Yeah, I tweeted how, how brilliantly I thought he was playing. I mean, I don't want to fall into that trap. I, I think you could probably call that trap the. <laughs> The Usman Kawaja trap <laughs> of uh, hailing him as the new saviour of, uh, of English cricket for scoring about 30. <laughs> um, but he just looks like a Test match batsman. He looks very solid. He looks very capable. And he does support Peterson very capably. He- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He only got 34, but it was quite a big partnership with Kevin Peterson. And he stuck around for more than 100 balls, I think. He just looks like he's got a test feature in a way that maybe Johnny Best and Ravi Bapara, they could have test features, but they don't instantly look you know, comfortable in the test environment. With Peterson gone, there's going to be a lot of responsibility on James Taylor's shoulders, his, his tiny, tiny shoulders. Eh? He's, he's a little guy, isn't he? Um, they kept mentioning that the commentators. Yeah. he's only a little bloke he's going to have a lot of responsibility at Lords and, and maybe for some time after that as well so it'll be fascinating to see how he responds to that how do you see it panning out then in the final test it's the most important test match that England have played since their last most important test match at Colombo when they needed to win to stay number one on that occasion they did win and they won convincingly but South Africa do look strong I think it's going to be quite tough to take 20 wickets quickly enough to win the game especially uh, 
as there might be a bit of rain around. What's your feeling? What's your prediction? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot going on, there's a lot surrounding it, isn't there? There's going to be a lot of interest now that the, the Olympics are finished. Oh, yeah. Just to bring those up again. Yeah, all like, well, apart from the fact the Premier League season starts this <laughs> yeah. weekend, so some eyes on the cricket this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's huge, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not been a classic. It's not the late 90s anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, dare I say, it's not been a classic cricket summer. You could dare to say that. Uh, so, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting the most exciting match. Well, pre-series I predicted one all, which is certainly possible at this point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still an option. I do think South Africa look quite hard to beat. I'm not sure that they'll necessarily win because I think England look much more resilient uh, than they did at the Oval. Obviously, not having Peterson gives them a problem, but I think both sides will be very tough to beat. And if there's rain around, even more so. Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, if the England players ever have, or particularly the, the England batsmen, if they've ever got an opportunity to be slightly resentful and slightly have their back backs up because of uh, you know Peterson does get a lot of attention and you know often in these sort of debates as we've already said you know people will say well he's the most talented batsman in the team you know and if, that would slightly annoy me probably if I was if I was uh, you know one of the others so it's yeah. a fantastic opportunity for yeah. them and I'd say watch out for Ian Bell in this game I think with Peterson gone Bell is the man and you know he'll probably bat at four Potentially, he could bat for you know for the rest of his career now if Peterson doesn't come back. I think he could have a big role to play in this game. I mean, I, I don't usually like singling out players because what will happen now is he'll get a duck. <laughs> yeah, big characters aren't necessarily always very good for adjusting. You know, yeah, if you know, it's a very settled England team, but there are players coming in at the moment. You know, coming in this summer, Bairstow, Taylor, you know, Papara still butcher, <laughs> butcher, same. You know, all, all coming, all young players coming trying to prove something. <laughs> You know, coming into a dressing room with Kevin Peterson, not necessarily the easiest thing. Perhaps they'll be able to flourish in his absence. It's a great opportunity for those young guys. And it's a great opportunity for England because they've taken a lot of flack in this series from the media. And I think they've got a point to prove and they have to win. So they've got to go for it. Um, So I think it could be a really good test match. I'm not necessarily convinced that they'll win it. But yeah, I think it it should be a a cracking watch. Make sure you watch it this time, Tone. Oh, mate, I'm going to be glued to it. There's no water polo to distract you. No, exactly. Time for a brand new item, Tone. Wait for this. My OC. Do you see what I did there, Tone? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. I'm really, really really pleased with that. My lawyer will be in touch. (laughs) Jacques Rogers' lawyer will probably be in touch as (laughs) well. Also, it kind of sounds a bit like we're about to talk about the OC, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't plan to. No, I haven't got much to say about that. What's her name? Misha Barton. Misha. Misha. I don't know what she's doing now. What is she doing? I never watched the OC, though. What California, you've done there is... California, here we come. Oh, so you know about more than I, do, than I do. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, yeah, this might not be a recurring segment. Uh, Once every four years. <laughs> yeah. I thought we could talk about uh, the Olympics and that, and uh, whether cricket should be in it. As I said at the top of the show, it does feel like a, an appropriate time to ask the question, should cricket be in the Olympics? We have talked about this before on the World Cricket Show, uh, but it was a really, really long time ago, at least two years ago. If you have heard us talk about this before, you've been listening for a very long time, in which case we've got an awful lot of other things to apologise for as well. <laughs> yes. So uh, we won't apologise too much for this. There's um, quite a... Uh, I'll, I'll lead off, if you like. Oh, go on, Tane, lead off then. An anecdote. Yeah, so basically a couple of couple of Guernsey cricketers who, who, who play for the island and have played in you know some of the ICC World League Division... N, <laughs> whatever the number is, six, five, four, uh, not three, I don't think. 
Anyway, <laughs> like associate cricket, they play associate cricket. Anyway, they play represent the island in cricket. I don't know why you don't host the show. Too, no, too. I know. Anyway, they uh, they got embroiled in a Twitter storm. They tweeted some stuff pertaining to the eligibility of dressage as a sport. Yeah, so it's like um, on their individual yeah, their I mean, personal I mean, Twitter yeah. pages, they just sort of said, "Oh, dressage isn't a sport; shouldn't be in the Olympics." But anyway, this got this got picked. You up. might say they were having a bit of banter. It was a banterous tweet, wasn't it? The tweets were picked up by a media outlet. Yeah, they, they, they were picked up, you know, and ended up kind <laughs> of in the national media about you know whether dressage gets enough respect as an Olympic. Yeah, sport. exactly, and whether uh, yeah, so they got quite a lot of abuse from people on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever been the subject of Twitter abuse. Not to my knowledge, no. Right, well, that that can change. <laughs> uh, for some people, I think uh, one Twitter user whose handle is at Fetch My Pony. So, but they said. Uh, one particular tweet just uh, just simply read, uh, "Dressage is not a sport." And uh, at Fetch My Pony had said back, "Not a sport. Jog on a like you couldn't ride a f-ing carousel," <laughs> which I thought was quite amusing. I think uh, these guys were just kind of baffled, weren't they, yeah. by the abuse? Because I don't think it's a very controversial thing to say whether or not you think it should be in the Olympics, whether or not you think it's a sport, are different things. But you can have that debate. Like people debate whether darts is a sport. And people debate whether tennis should be in the Olympics. Like, it's not yeah, it's very controversial, debate. is it? So what made me laugh is that uh, in, in myself voicing my opinions about the thing, and also the two of them, people were saying things like, well, you're just jealous cricket isn't the Olympics. But I got that. I got, I got, I got, that got leveled at me. Oh, really? And I was like, well, not really. <laughs> not, not, that, not hugely jealous. But should it be? Should it be is the question. That we were about to ask. What do you think, Tone? I mean, we, we've we spent quite a lot of time watching things like dressage and also relatively obscure sports like Greco-Roman wrestling or taekwondo. And we've, been, we've spent a lot of time watching those at London 2012. Yet cricket, which by most measures is the world's second most popular sport. And of course, was that an Olympics? In 1900, indeed. It was there in Paris, yeah. Britain beat France in, the, in a one-off game. So technically... France are the reigning Olympic silver medalists. So yeah, it has been in the Olympics before, but it's not anymore. But should it be? Should it be an Olympic sport, do you think? Well, to summarise, I'd know is the answer to that. Okay. I mean, it, Cheers. Uh, Thanks uh, a lot, yeah, guys. See you so, next yeah, week. Back up, see you next week. Uh, <laughs> this is interesting. Very, We're going to have an actual debate yeah. here because you say no and I'd say yes. So it's, a very murky, it. it's a very murky debate because there are so many points uh, that you could make which are nullified or supported by various other Olympic events that are in, that are in the programme at the moment. OK, so give me an example. Well, so, I mean, the, the first thing is that people always say about anything that's in the Olympics or not is it should be the pinnacle of the sport. Well, apparently that's not true of football, tennis. When golf and rugby you know, exactly. come in, it won't so, be there, you know, and, uh, yeah, and I agree that you know, that's maybe uh, is an important thing. Actually, my opinion slightly changed about football in this Olympics, particularly about women's football because I, did, I watched a, a little bit of the women's football particularly before the other <laughs> mainly in the, the absence of anything else taking place <laughs> at the start of the Olympics <laughs> the first couple of days but yeah. you know it was really it was great and it, you know that is you know I, I'm much more aware now of women's uh, of British women's footballers and, and from around the world than I would have been without it uh, because it is you know, it's an important tournament in there. Yeah, it pro- you, know, you could argue that it year, is the in pinnacle there, in, there. in women's football um, and that does make a difference and as you always say correctly Sport is only interesting when there's some kind of context, when there's some kind of meaning to it. And the Olympics is um, the ultimate distillation of that, where for virtually all sports, it 
has the most meaning. And yeah, I didn't really watch any of the men's football because I'm not that bothered about it. So it does make a difference that whether or not it's the pinnacle, which which I suppose it wouldn't be for cricket if it was there. It definitely wouldn't be for cricket. So that yeah, no, that is an argu- that's an argument against it for sure. There's an argument that you could make to say that you know it, it would be possible to make it a, a very prestigious tournament. Uh, you know, the ICC not renowned for uh, uh, keeping kind of keeping international cricket pure and. You know, giving it some purpose, you know, they're happy to just to throw in these you know ludicrously bloated tournaments in every you know at every opportunity. I think the ICC members would need to to have undertaken a bit of personal development in kind of rational planning. Uh, they could learn a bit from Sevco, maybe. Yeah, you could definitely make it an important tournament. And also, I think I've not spoken to them, but I would imagine that most cricketers uh, would love the opportunity to win an Olympic medal. <laughs> Because they've never had that opportunity before. You know, certainly at the at the first Olympic Games that cricket was involved in, I think it would be a really big deal for most cricketers. It might not be the pinnacle, but but it would mean something. And yeah, also as you say, I I don't think it's a strong enough counter argument to not have it in the Olympics because yeah, there are lots of other sports where it also isn't the pinnacle. I mean, on, on a pretty pr- purely practical basis, how easy would it be to stage to stage a cricket tournament in Rio, for example? Yeah, and, and anywhere that's not. If we're not talking about getting cricket into, say, the 2020 games, they're going to be in either Madrid, Istanbul, or Tokyo, none of which are, you know, exactly major cricketing powers historically. But that is also the case with other sports. I mean, are there good enough tennis facilities in Istanbul? Are there good enough yeah, rowing facilities? A lot of in- the facilities uh, at any Olympics are going to have to be purpose built. Yeah, golf courses. Yeah, never, when yeah that legacy. Rugby Hashtag legacy. You, you only really need one cricket stadium, I would have thought. You know, I mean, maybe I mean, two at the most. Yeah, cricket now in 2020 has a format that is kind of, is a practical format for a short tournament. Yeah, and if you, yeah, like you say, you could do it in one pit. You know, you could play two, maybe three matches in a day very easily, so... Yeah, I mean, it is achievable. Absolutely, and I think that was one of the big reasons why cricket hasn't been in the Olympics before is because it has always been the case that it just takes too long. There's no way that you could have a test match tournament in two weeks. One day international is slightly different, but even then, I think, and with the amount of time that you need to sort of recover between games, um, it couldn't happen. But 2020 is absolutely perfect for it, and it takes, what, about three hours? It's not that much longer than a football match. It's not... It's certainly not any longer than uh, Roger Federer v Juan Martín del Potro. So, so, so I think it, it would be a perfect format for it. And also, you can have 2020 in 2020, and that slogan <laughs> cool. literally writes itself, <laughs> doesn't it? From a personal sort of viewpoint, could I have watched any more sport in the last two weeks? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. You know, where would you find the time to to watch any cricket? But then again, you know, in the in the build up to the London Games, yeah, there was no shortage of demand. There was no shortage of people looking to go and watch Olympic sports. Had cricket been there, I'm sure a lot of people would have gone and seen it. The two questions that I think we really need asking are, one, would the Olympics benefit from having cricket in it? And would cricket benefit from being in the Olympics? And I think cricket would definitely benefit from being in the Olympics. I mean, the ICC, one of their most important roles is to try and spread cricket around the world. And I think there would be no better vehicle for doing that uh certainly you know you just look at host nations they've they in every sport you know end up entering a team and so in britain suddenly you've got british volleyball and water polo and handball teams which we've never had before so if it was in tokyo in 2020 there'd be a japanese cricket team that would get a lot of funding from the government and stuff and that'd be one way of spreading it there it would get a lot of exposure in those countries it would get a lot of exposure all around the world so yeah i think from that point of view from sort of taking it around the world 
it would be great. It'd be ideal for the associate nations. It would give them um, a real incentive, not just the World Cup, but another tournament there that they can participate in. I think the cricketing sort of fraternity would be much better off for being in the Olympics, would would definitely benefit from being in the Olympics. It might be a struggle to, to fit it into the, the English summer schedule, but it's only once every four years. It's not an Ashes year. I think you can work around that. And the other question is, would the Olympics be better off for having cricket in it? And I think definitely is the answer to that. I think it's definitely in the interests of the IOC and the Olympic movement in general to include cricket because it would be a means of, of taking the Olympics to the subcontinent, which yeah, is probably the only point. part of the world where it isn't that big of a deal. Bangladesh have never won a gold medal. Pakistan haven't won a gold medal since the 1980s. And India have won a total of two gold medals since 1964. Well, they get like six medals in the, in London. Yeah, and they didn't win a gold, which means that if Sark was a country, they would have been above India in the medal table because of Carl Hester winning in the dressage. I just remember, uh, yeah, Sark is a, an island near Guernsey with 500 people Thanks. where cars aren't allowed. And countries that did finish above India this year included Grenada, Bahamas, Lithuania. You know, for a country like India with 1.1 billion people, that isn't a great return. And the reason for that is that the Olympics just aren't as big a deal in the subcontinent as they are elsewhere. And given that it makes up about a sixth of the world's population and that fraction is only going to increase from here, that ought to be a headache for the IOC. But if you throw cricket in there, suddenly it would be a big deal. Can you imagine, you know, if MS Dhoni had been carrying the flag for India um, at the opening ceremony? I'm sure that would have sparked a lot of interest in India in a way that maybe the Olympics doesn't at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I don't know how, how much media coverage there would have been in India. In, yeah, if you're listening in India, let us know. Yeah. I'd be really interested Yeah, to know how much, how much interest there is in the Olympics you know, when it's going on. Well, I think it's reasonably well covered, but it's nothing like it is. But they need something to capture. In North America yeah. or Europe or Australia. Cricket obviously is far and away the most popular sport in that part of the world. And the fact that it's not in the Olympics must be a big problem, particularly because I think the second most popular sport in India is Kabaddi, and that's obviously not there either. It would make a lot of sense for cricket to be there in a way that it doesn't necessarily make sense to add golf. There are obviously lots of problems, as I say, with the English summer schedule. Also, what do you do about West Indies? Because they would have to compete as their sort of um, constituent islands and facilities, as you say. But do you think any of those are insurmountable problems? Do you think those are in and of themselves, reasons for not doing it. No, personally, not. I, I mean, like I say, the West Indies, it, you know, that is an issue. There would presumably have to be some sort of qualifying tournament. Uh, yeah, you couldn't have 30 teams, but yeah, there's, I, I don't see that that's a barrier. Have I won you round then, Tone? Yeah, maybe you have. Oh, wow, here we go. Maybe you have. So I've got you on board. Now I just need to get Jack Roger on board, <laughs> and we're away. Jack Roger, yeah. if you're listening, which I know you are, because we get a lot of tweets and emails from him. Constant get, tweeting. Get, yeah. get cricket yeah. in the Olympics. There's an interesting list on Wikipedia, and I'm sure it's not limited to Wikipedia. I'm sure it might exist in other, uh, in other forms, uh, of governing bodies of sports not contested at the Olympics, but are recognised by the IOC. That includes cricket, uh, includes air sports, auto racing, bandy, baseball, billiards, bowls, or bulls, sorry, bowling, bridge, chess, cricket, dance sport, floorball, golf, karate, corfball, life-saving, motorcycle racing, mountaineering, netball, orienteering. That, <laughs> oh, that's not a sport. Uh, Careful, mate. Careful. Polo to Vasca, polo, powerboating, racquetball, roller sports, rugby, which is going to be in 2016. Softball, sport climbing, squash, sumo, surfing, tug of war, underwater sports, water ski, and wushu. Which uh, are, there's, there's a lot, obviously. So it's not there's, like there's probably a dozen the there. only one that's not there. Yeah, there's a few there. You think, well, it's 
you could see fitting into the Olympic program. So quite I neatly. think it's, it, I think it's ridiculous that, that squash isn't there, for example. But it's not like cricket. Squash is very popular around the world, but cricket, billions of people follow cricket. I think it's just reached a point where cricket isn't in the Olympics because it's never been in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, would I, yeah, would I like, would I watch it? Probably, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would watch it. I'd definitely watch some of it. Yeah, I love the the kind of historical sports that have been historically like demonstration sports or that have come and gone. Like in demonstration winter sports, military patrol. There's been a demonstration <laughs> between twenty eight, thirty six, and forty eight, which is great. We know Germany are the reigning Olympic gold medalists in town planning. <laughs> Mesdames et messieurs, <laughs> c'est la fini de cet episode of the World Cricket Show. Uh, yeah, our end of the London Olympics special, you might say. Come I'm really on. not. Got my tits. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it... Genuinely, if you were 11 and at school, you'd have been sent out by now for yeah. some, some of this language tonight. So. It really bothered me. Yeah. Uh, it, kind of, it, it really just, knocked it, it you bored, off, did it? It just bored me that every time the speeches were made, at the opening and closing ceremonies that Sebi and uh, and Jack were like, you know, lords, ladies, kings, queens, lords, <laughs> ladies, distinguished guests, and ladies, it's like, get on, just say like, you're right, guys. Yeah. Or something. Don't have to go into all this. Why do we, like, why is distinguished guests, why, you know, why are they, why are they better than everyone else? Well, because they're distinguished. Yeah. They're very how do you know if you're distinguished or not? I mean, obviously, had I been there, I'd have assumed that he would have been referring to me. <laughs> but how do you know if you're distinguished? Do well, you get a tag that says distinguished Presumably, guest? in the Olympics case, it's whether or not you've given them any money. Yeah, true. Sponsorship. Come on then, Tom, what was your favourite moment of the Games? Favourite moments? Something that absolutely stunned me, anyway, was the crowd at uh, the men's road race on the first Saturday. Big Unbelievable. Crowd. I mean, there was a lot of momentum going into it from the Tour de France, obviously. Brad Wiggins and Team Sky's victory in that people were buzzing for cycling at that point that was a huge it was a very exciting event i think yeah, i did watch a fair amount of the tour de france this year I will, that is one something i probably will watch a lot more of in, in the future because they're very exciting although they go on for bloody ages <laughs> they are very entertaining other highlights Gemma gibbons great british in judo, judo yeah. yeah what did she win silver in the she end won but, silver. When she won but when she won through to the yeah to the final to, very to emotional the match. that was uh, that will never not make me cry very it? moving that yeah or about that mo farah both races he won were brilliant yeah. Pendleton winning the Kieran was very exciting. Pendleton is, Pendleton is a star, yeah. <laughs> she is unbelievable. David Radisha in the 800 metres, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. He's such a genius, isn't he? Yeah, that he was unbelievable. sprinted the whole way, which <laughs> you're not supposed to do in 800 metres. Absolutely astonishing. That was good. Oh, Ben Ainsley as well. When he said, uh, they made me angry, <laughs> they don't want to do that. That was, what that a was, genius. That was really great. What a genius. Someone actually said I look like Ben Ainsley. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were well pleased with I that. I think two stone ago I looked slightly <laughs> like Ben Ainsley. But yeah, really, yeah. I'll have to, I might have to work on that. Kath Granger getting a gold medal at last. Because <laughs> she, well, she won uh, silver in Sydney, Athens and Beijing, didn't she? And then she finally won a gold here in the rowing. The yeah. BBC commentary, I was listening to that on the radio. Radio commentator was in tears. Going, no longer just the beautiful bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And on the TV, the commentary was brilliant as well. I watched watched it on the replay when the, the commentator goes, let's do this, let's finish the story. Which, as my brother-in-law pointed out, does he bellow that at his, at his kids every night at bedtime? 
the I mean, the BBC did an unbelievable job of, of covering it, and there are so many great people involved in, in the commentary and the punditry and stuff. The rowing commentary is, is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I love the British that. are coming. Yes, yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah. There's something about like the kind of wavering, <laughs> quivering yeah. voice. Well, yeah, we should probably wrap this one next up. It's, it's dragging on, but yeah, that's it. I suppose it's the big one next week, Tone. Episode 150. We've got all kinds of stuff lined up, haven't we? <laughs> we How did you get on with booking the celebrity guests this week? A cavalcade of stars, you promised me. That, that was the quote. Uh, yeah, it's going to be what's going to be a symphony of British music. We've got George Michael George coming Michael in to sing his new single. single. <laughs> yeah, Kona is kindly offered to remaster uh-huh. uh, an old John Lennon track as well. Is John Lennon's face going to be here? <laughs> uh, someone's face will be here. Is Fatboy Slim going to be here on a giant inflatable octopus? <laughs> Wouldn't like to rule it out. Who's going to be lighting the torch? <laughs> What, are we torching the studio after? <laughs> so we're saying no more, in no a blaze more. of glory. Oh, it's going to be exciting, isn't it? Uh, I tell you what, if you want to get, you know, if you want to kind of monetarily buy into the 150th anniversary episode, why not buy a 150th anniversary T-shirt? <laughs> They're no different to the ordinary T-shirts, but you can buy one anyway. Yeah, buy a T-shirt. I think I'm going to play some music under here today to try and get it to stick in people's minds. Yeah, we haven't got all that many T-shirts left, uh, and some people got in touch with us ages ago, like before they became available, and said that they were interested in buying a T-shirt. Uh, but they haven't bought them yet Tony's furious about it he's fuming Um, but uh, but yeah if you do still want a t-shirt those people that emailed us months ago uh, there aren't that many left, so get on and buy one. And even if you didn't email us months ago, go ahead and buy a T-shirt now buy as in. well. Cricketshow.net is where you need to go. We proudly accept Visa and, you know, amongst <laughs> other card processing services. Um, hell, if you've bought one already, uh, it's worn out. Already. Why not buy another one? Yeah, because you'll probably, like, if the, you'll if probably the need one because enough. they really are terrible, terrible quality. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so get yourself another one. If you're going to the test match this week, you know, we can get it out to you before you get there, hopefully. Absolutely no chance of that, <laughs> but um, maybe for the One Day Internationals. Uh, and yeah, there are only £15 available at cricketshow.net, as well as being a great fashion item uh, and just a great T-shirt. It's a fantastic way to support the show. If you do like what we're doing here, buy a T-shirt and, and help to support us. In addition to that, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. That is where it's all happening. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash cricket show. Follow Tony as well, at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V. Double R. How is your tweeting going, Tone? I just keep forgetting to do it. (laughs) You texted me something when Laura Trott won the Omnium. You texted me, uh, that's the most pleasure I've ever got out of watching someone called Trott. You should have tweeted that, Tone. You should have tweeted it. And I I said as much. I to give you a special, you know, (laughs) special, like, way in. You could have tweeted it at me. And then World Cricket Show listeners uh, who follow both of us could have enjoyed it as well. I'll I'll try and start tweeting. Get tweeting. Send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail.com if you've got anything to say do that as well if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers and leave us a review on iTunes as well Uh, we do really appreciate all of those but that is it for this week it's been a long one but it's been a good one wouldn't you say Tone? no? oh well never mind (laughs) yeah it's been pretty good Adam stay in school everyone and we will see you next week bye bye for now take it easy
I thought James yeah. Taylor. Sorry, were you gonna say so I was, I was going to say like particularly in a four man attack. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at me for absolutely ages and didn't say anything. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there's the, yeah, there another great moment was with uh, Bert Leclerc. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Chad, Chad Leclerc's yeah. father. Who was pulled into to speak to to Balding and Foster after his son had won? Anyway, it was just a very funny moment. Very funny. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Beautiful boy. <laughs> my impression sounds a bit like my Watto impression <laughs> from Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. Little Lenny, <laughs> Chad, my intrigues do not work on me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 